Well, please turn with me this evening to Proverbs uh, chapter 30 and verse 24. Proverbs 30 and verse 24. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. My friends, we're looking today at the animals and going back to some animals uh, to learn uh, from them. We heard a little bit about the animals in a, the Sunday school today, and uh, we're learning a little bit more uh, this evening. But I start off with a question. My, my title is Weak and Wise, Weak and Wise. But I start off with a question, which is better? Which one is better, to be great or to be wise? To be well-known in life, to be somebody who is perhaps rises above others, somebody maybe who is stronger than others, stronger maybe physically, stronger intellectually, stronger in appearance than others. This is what so many aspire to. Is that the thing that is better in life? Or is it better to know how to live life, to know how to carry oneself through life in a profitable way? Is it better to know which one is uh, better. Well, and if you look at our newspapers, I think we have an answer, don't we? You look at the newspapers and you see the lives of those who are great and the lives of those who have achieved stardom. And what do you find about their lives? Broken relationships, broken lives, difficult lives, people who were once uh, ruling in money, bankrupt. You see all these things happening. And that's the kind of life that many of these stars have succumbed to. Their life is in a mess. Stardom, maybe, has brought them into that condition. Yet, so many still seek greatness. So many ordinary folks think, if only I was great. If only I had some personal glory, something that made me stand out in life something that made me excel in life above other people, that could capture the attention of other people, well then, that would make my life so much more worth living. But wisdom for life, friends, that's so much better. Even if you do not achieve greatness, even if for the rest of your life you, are, you go through life as somebody who is considered in the eyes of the public as a weak person, but if you have wisdom and you govern your life in the right way, especially we're thinking spiritually tonight, then you will know a better life. You will know a more satisfying life than even those who have achieved greatness and stardom and so on. But we're learn, uh, learning from the, these uh, small uh, animals uh, today. And we learn, isn't it, even today in science and engineering, yeah, going, everyone is going back to the animals and people are learning a lot from the animals for fashion, for architecture, for engineering. Uh, it's said uh, the wood, from the woodpecker, well, because of its uh, built, its skull, it's so able to absorb the, the shock of pecking at the, the trees constantly without uh, being affected. We've learned, engineers and scientists have learned from that how to uh, build and designed shock-resistant black boxes, those black boxes in the, in the aeroplanes. 
and then from the elephant's trunk, well, scientists have uh, come, developed a bionic arm, and uh, that's to aid the handicapped and also to aid in heavy lifting. And then even uh, the, some have gone back to the, the lizards and the gecko uh, lizards, and they've learned from their eyes, they've studied their eyes, and from that, apparently these uh, lizards, they can see color uh, at night. Well, that's an amazing thing, but uh, uh, the scientists have used and learned from these uh, lizards how they can improve camera lenses and even improve uh, contact lenses for us. And there's so many things that we have learned from the animals and brought back into uh, society. So spiritually as well, this is what Ega is doing here. He's taking us back uh, to the animals and teaching us some spiritual lessons. And we're going to look at these uh, four animals that he mentions in verses 25 uh, to 28. So very briefly, friends, the first uh, animal that he mentions here is, oh, I should read verse 24 first, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The size is not important, it's how uh, wise a, a person is. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The first creature here is the ant. And uh, the ants, as we know, well, they are very tiny creatures, uh, very, uh, so small and really so weak. Their strength really comes from banding together and working together uh, to get the job done. And uh, that's how uh, they do things. But even when they are together, even when they come together as a colony and work together, still even they are weak. It's very easy for, for a human being to stamp on a whole load of, uh, of ants and kill them in one go. And they have, they're powerless. They haven't got any strength to resist. They're weak creatures in this sense. They're not strong. Yet we read that they are wise creatures. They're wise because they prepare their meat in the summer. They know how to make the most of the opportunity that comes their way. When the summer, they, they're apparently ants don't like the winter at all. They like the summer, like some of us, and they prefer summer to winter. Once winter comes, well, they huddle together in their holes, in their nests underground, and they don't like to come out and collect food in that time. It's not that they're hibernating in the sense of snoozing away the whole winter, but they just huddle together uh, during that time. And they, they're very wise because they collect all their food necessary for survival in the winter during the summer period. They are industrious, as we know, during that time. They, they seem to know almost by instinct that winter is coming and they have to make those preparations for that uh, dreadful time in their eyes when the, they will have to, uh, when, they, when the cold uh, will come in. And so during the summer, they are always active. They're never indolent. You, you see them going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, collecting food uh, for, to, for their nests. That's forward planning on their part. They're industrious uh, insects. You never during the summer do you see them in an indolent way, just like the sloth. By instinct, they, they know they must make these preparations to gather uh, seeds and grains and water even. 
And so most of the summertime, this is what they're doing. Make hay, they say, while the, the sun shines. And that's what the ant does. While it has an opportunity to gather, as, it gathers as much as it can and uh, stores it in different compartments in their nests. And apparently, they even store some food in their abdomens. Their abdomens become bigger, bigger during, but also in their nest. But they, st they stock up while they can. They make these preparations through, uh, to keep them going through the winter, all for survival, so that they can manage these things. Well, the lesson is obvious, isn't it, to us, friends? That when it comes to our souls, are we making the most of the opportunities that come our way? When the Lord is speaking to us, do we listen? When, the, when we have a chance to hear a gospel, the gospel message, do we listen to those things? Do we make most of the opportunities of today to prepare for eternity? To prepare for that time when we shall stand before the Lord? Are we forward-thinking or do we just live from day to day? Are we seeking the Lord and now? Are we, are we now thinking about our immortal souls? The Bible says today is the day of grace. Today is the time when God is merciful. Today is the time when God is showing himself to be a pardoning God. But there's coming a day when there will be no more grace extended, when the offer will be withdrawn, when the offer will be taken back, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in power and glory. It'll be too late then for somebody to say, Lord, save me, Lord, forgive me, have mercy upon me. It'll be too late, friends. One must do it before that happens because the door is closing. We feel so many of us that door is closing and the, the, the Lord's return is drawing nearer and nearer. And so we must make use of that opportunity. We know, don't we? We know in our hearts what is before us. We know eternity is ahead. We know our destiny is either heaven or hell. Then we should make preparation. What am I doing about it? What am I doing about it? Am I earnestly asking the Lord for conversion? Am I earnestly asking Him for a new heart? This is the way to prepare ourselves. This is being a wise person to make the most of the opportunity, the gospel opportunities, do I read my Bible? Do I search it for the Lord, for that way of salvation, for how I can come to know Him? Do I ask questions? Do I pray and say, Lord, teach me? Do I get on my knees and say, Lord, show me the way of truth? Do I pray like we read in that Psalm of David, create in me a clean heart? Oh Lord, I cannot do it. Save me. That's how we prepare ourselves, friends. You know, or are we doing nothing? Are we making no preparation, spiritually inactive, spiritually idle, spiritually unemployed? Oh, we're busy about the world. We're busy about other things in life. But spiritually, we are unemployed. Spiritually, we're lazy. You know, it said the, the butterfly is different from the ant. It's uh, much more beautiful than the ant, without doubt. But it's not as wise as the ant. 
It flies, the butterfly, it flies from one flower to another and enjoys, uh, enjoys one flower after the other. All day long it can do that. Uh, but uh, it makes no preparation for winter. So when winter comes, it dies. It dies because it's made no preparation. Well, am I like that? Am I like that, friends? Just going from day to day, from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, week after week, month after month, and I'm not really taking seriously that, I, that what's ahead of me, that there's a winter of judgment ahead without thinking about God. Thinking that's the way to make no, the, you, to make no preparation. Just leave it, don't think about it. Well, I'll never make it to heaven if that's the way I am. I'll never make it to glory. Not that I can earn my own right. But it doesn't just happen to you, friends. It doesn't just drop from the sky and the conversion doesn't happen like that. You have to seek the Lord. You have to ask Him for it. And then He will give it to you. Today is the day of salvation. Now you have an opportunity to know Him. Now you have an opportunity to know His forgiveness and His mercy. You will be a wise man a wise woman, if you take uh, this offer of grace that is extended to you. But then secondly, we look at these conies, verse 26. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. Well, conies, what are these uh, conies? Well, uh, apparently they're uh, rabbit-like uh, animals and uh, thought to be the, the rock hyrax and are rather larger uh, than a guinea pig, uh, it said. But the thing about these also, that they were very timid creatures, very uh, weak uh, creatures in many ways, very quiet and gentle uh, creatures, never moving far from its retreat, uh, so timid that even if a bird flew over, over, uh, overhead, they would quickly rush uh, into their retreats, into their homes, and perhaps had every reason to be so cautious because predators were always after them. They had predators on the land, and they had predators uh, also in the sky. And yet we read, though they were a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. They're wise enough to know where to, where's the safe place for them to live, in the crevices of the rocks, in a place that is so narrow that these large predators cannot get at them cannot get access to them. They can find a, a, a safety in there. And so whenever a predator does come, they can scurry quickly uh, to these places. These are its hiding place. It creates a hiding place, and it knows where to run to. Well, it's, it's the same uh, for us as well. The, the wise man, uh, spiritually, he also has a hiding place that he can run to a place that he is spiritually safe, a refuge for his soul. Your soul, friends, has enemies. Your soul has out, enemies who are out to spoil it, to hurt it, to harm it, to ruin it. Your soul, the devil we know, is out to ruin your soul. He won't leave your soul alone. He is out to ruin you forever. That's his intention. He's out to take you to hell with him forever. That's what he is. He's the predator 
of your soul, you have your own soul enemies within. You have your sins, you have the lusts that are within, and they also will drag you down to hell. They also will harm you tremendously. Your lusts, your sins, are not your friends. They're not there to make you really, truly happy. They have not your interests at heart. They're out there to spoil you. That's what they do. The wages of sin is death. That's what it leads to, friends. They are harmful. The day of judgment is ahead of you too. God's justice is chasing you to punish you because of your sins, because you have offended a holy God, because you have sinned against Him, you have broken His laws, you have been rebellious, you haven't lived for His honour and for His glory. And how can you defend yourself against these predators, as it were? You can't. You're too feeble, you're too weak to defend yourself. You need someone, you need a hiding place, you need someone to run to. And friends, that someone is Christ. You need Christ to protect you from these things. You need Christ to keep you safe. You need Christ to vindicate you on the day of judgment. Only He can do it, and He's willing to do it if you will turn to Him. You need the Lord Jesus Christ more than you need anything else. The only safe place that you can run to, the only safe refuge for your soul is in Christ. Oh, He came. He came in great love. He came from heaven uh, uh, to earth. And he came to die upon Calvary's cross. And what a tremendous pain he went through. We know that he was nailed. We know he was flogged before he was nailed. We know all the, uh, the, the shame that he passed through. Why? Also that we could be forgiven our sins. And even more so, that soul agony that he passed through when God laid upon him the punishment of uh, our sins and the sins of all who will trust uh, in the Saviour. He bore them all. He bore that punishment, that in infinite punishment, which we couldn't bear. He was punished. I should have died there. I should have suffered. I should have paid the price, but He paid it in my stead, so that I could find a refuge in Him, so that I could find a peace in Him. Oh, friends, this is... A, a, the wisest thing for us to do is to have, not to trust in ourselves, not to say I can protect myself from all these soul predators, but to run to Christ, to put my trust in Christ and in what He will do. To ask Him, Lord, keep me safe, deliver me from my sins, deliver me from these enemies, keep me safe in this world from them all. And He will. If you entrust your soul to Him, He will bring you safely uh, to heaven. Then thirdly, we move to these uh, locusts. Uh, the locusts, we read, have no king, yet go they forth all by bands. Now, you may be surprised to know that locusts actually are usually uh, and are very solitary. They prefer to be on their own until a certain point in time when they change and uh, then they band together, uh, they look and they group together uh, as, as uh, 
looking for food, and they go together by instinct. They, they change and they stick together in this way. The, the point here that the writer is making is that the locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. They go forth in this disciplined way. When they do come together, they go forth in ranks like an army uh, marching forward. So also these locusts uh, go forward uh, even though they have no one, no leader to instruct them and tell them this is what you must do and this is what you must do this. And when you get here, so and so. They don't have that. They just know what to do, as it were, by instinct. This is their wisdom that uh, they follow their instinct. When they, when they are driven in this way, when they are moved in this way, what they do is they, they're responding to those instincts and they, they're coming uh, together. They don't overrule their instincts. And it's a, a lesson for us, friends, also that uh, we, uh, also as humans, are made with instincts. We are made with instincts for the Lord. We are made with instincts for God. We are not born, as some people teach, with a clean slate. We are not born as those who just come into the world with nothing. That baby who comes into the world, we say, is pure and innocent and like a clean slate, knows nothing. That's not true. Because when we come into the world, we come in with instincts for God. We come in with instincts for eternity. We come in with things with which we are conscious of. And we, as we grow older, especially, we become more and more conscious of there being a God. We don't have to teach children, really, there is a God. What's taught to children today is there is no God. But if you leave a child to themselves, they will grow up thinking there is a God. Because naturally, that's what's in people's hearts. God has placed such instincts within us. We know that when we die, there is a life after death. We ask the question, is there life after death? Why are we asking the question? Because well, we already have something within us which is saying, there is life after death. That's why we're asking the question. And we want to know, is it really true? Well, all those things... Uh, is what God is, 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 uh, is giving to us to aid us, to help us. We, he doesn't leave us on our own and just say, seek me. He's saying, look, he's giving you all these helps so that you will seek him, so that you will respond to him, so that you will do something with these instincts that are put inside you, and that you will respond even though you have, as it were, no one to, to lead you and to guide you. You can uh, follow these things and they will put you on the right path. And in a sense, that there is a God. We know, don't we, that there is more to life than this material world. We feel it. We feel that there is something more to it than just day-to-day -day work and getting our, our pay packet. We feel there must be something more meaningful to life than just this. And then when death comes, we feel, no, it can't be the end. There's such a lot that's gone behind a person's life. How can death be the end? There must be something more after it. Oh, friends, these are what God gives to us. Do we follow these God-given in instincts? Do we use them to seek the truth? To seek the Lord till we find Him? These are the helps God has graciously given to us. 
make the most of them. The worst thing you could do is to suppress them and to override them. That's the unwisest thing to do, to just ignore them and, and just pay no attention to them. Or we pay attention to all the other instincts in us, the sinful instincts, but we seem to ignore these other instincts which are for the Lord and which we should respond to. And then finally, we look at this, uh, the spider. The spider, verse 28, taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Some people say it's not a spider here, it's the lizard, the gecko a lizard. Uh, but again, it's, whether it's a lizard or a spider, it's another small and a weak creature. Uh, the thing is here, the spider uh, has taketh hold with her hands. Uh, it it's, has, as we know, a grip, a powerful grip in its hands or in its legs, as we would say. And that grip enables that spider, that insect, to hold on. To hold on. Now, if you've seen, I've tried recently actually, with a spider in its web, and you try to hose it down with water, it doesn't go away. It just seems to grip onto this web and never let go. And uh, it's, it's, it has very uh, strong uh, legs, of course, and very strong determination in it. And so we see in this, this teaching is that by its sheer determination and by its sheer persistence, this uh, insect achieves this position on the king's walls. It's able to get into the king's palaces. It's able to get into the king's uh, presence. And it's able, you could say, to hear the king's counsel and see all that's happening uh, in, the king's, uh, in the king's presence. Of course, the spider cannot hear and understand things like we do. But by its sheer determination of hanging on, it's able to reach such heights. Oh, what's the lesson for us? Well, if we are wise like this spider, well, that we also need to hold on Hold on to the gospel message and not let go of it until it brings us into the king's presence, until it brings us into God's presence, until it brings us into a right relationship with God. We shouldn't let go of seeking the Lord until we find him. You know, some people, they pray one prayer and then they, God doesn't answer that prayer immediately and they're gone, they're off. Some people hear just one sermon, and then the, oh, nothing happens to them, oh, this is not of God, there's nothing in it for me, and they're gone. Some people, well, are, are just so indifferent to these things, after not even examining these things, after not really even looking into the, these things, a single difference uh, of opinion, maybe some difficulty that they come across uh, in the scriptures that they cannot understand, and they say, I'm off. They give up. Very easily we give up. But this verse is teaching us, don't give up. Don't uh, give up pursuing the Lord. Continue to seek the Lord until you find Him. Be determined to find Him. Be determined to have his blessing. There was a man in the Old Testament and his name was Jacob and he prayed and he said to the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's how we must be. 
It mustn't be, well, if the Lord wants to bless me, let him bless me. If he doesn't, then so be it. No, friends, you have to really want these things. Not that you can earn salvation. Not that you can earn and merit his blessing by your prayers and by your crying. We are all undeserving. But if you really want it, you have to keep on seeking it until he blesses you. That's wisdom. That's the way to be in life. Cry out to the Lord until he hears you. Persist in this gospel way. And though you and I, well, we're so weak, we're so unremarkable in so many ways, we persist in seeking him. He will hear our prayer. He will be gracious to you. He will bring you into a right relationship with him. And you also will stand in his, in his presence. You will stand in the king's council. You will be able, uh, he will give you understanding about life. He will give you such wisdom that people in the world, the most intellectual people in the world, do not have. The presidents in the world, the cabinet officers, so many of them, unbelieving friends, you would have more knowledge than they. You would have a more understanding than they as a small, weak person, ordinary person in this world, but as a believer. God will give you understanding. He will unravel to you the mysteries of life. You will have that privilege of standing, as it were, in his presence and learning from his mouth and also, of course, standing in heaven, in glory, uh, 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 forever in the world that is to come. Well, friends, this is just a few things I want to mention briefly from these animals. Are we learning? Are we wise people? If you're not, ask God for wisdom. Ask Him to teach you. Though we are not strong, though we are not great, though we are a feeble folk, He is willing to condescend to bless us. He is willing to give us wisdom for life, wisdom that will see us through this life and into a joyous place in heaven, in eternity, forever. It's all of grace. It's all of grace, but it's all, all about knowing how to live. We must go to God and ask Him to teach us. And His Word is our guide to Him and to heaven. Let's pray together. Oh God, our Father, we again ask that you would come and help us in these things. We feel that we are so weak and so lacking in understanding and needing your wisdom and needing light to show us how even to live and to govern our lives in the right way. And so we pray that you would be our teacher. Lord, put in our hearts, even as you have done, Lord, a determination to seek you and to find you and that the cry of our hearts may also be, I will not let you go until you bless me. Lord, hear our prayer, and may your blessing indeed rest on each one of us. We ask these things in the name of our Saviour. Amen. Amen. Let's close by singing our final hymn, which is number 388. Thou God of glorious majesty, 388.